Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, we are filming season three of the Honey and Hustle podcast live at the Durham Bottling Co. right in downtown Durham. We're about to get into a great conversation, but before we do that, I'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to share this episode with someone who you think might get some value from it. Feel free to tag me on the podcast on social media, and I'll be sure to put those links on the video and in the description below. If you're listening to the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. It helps others find the show and lets me know how I'm doing at this video podcast thing. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to check out our affiliate links, shop our merch, and subscribe to the Honeypot newsletter and this YouTube channel, all at the links in the description. Without further ado, let's get into it. My primary business, Apollos uh, Solutions, uh, I outsource accounting and bookkeeping for small businesses and micro organizations, primarily uh, under three million in revenue, typically fewer than 10 employees. As I like to say, if you're a smaller micro business and you're relatively lean, you may not be able to afford a full-time staff accountant or bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And so an outsourced relationship provides an opportunity for me to come in, um, fulfill that function for you without you having to hire, say, a full-time or part-time yeah. uh, employee. And so I can work with you to help you you know, get to your next milestone, or it can be a longer-term relationship. And you have a history in doing that before you went on on your own, correct? Yes. Yeah, so interestingly, I graduated from uh, North Carolina A&T State University with a degree in accounting mm-hmm. um, over two decades ago. And I started in the private sector. I spent about three years working for a couple of different Fortune 500 companies and realized that at the time, what I thought was I just wasn't interested in being a bean counter, sitting behind a desk um, all day long. And I went off and pursued some other professional interests. I went to graduate school, spent some time in the Peace Corps, um, worked in economic development um, here in North Carolina, and worked for a software company in a short stint with a market research agency. And it was um, that time when I was so this at that market research agency. So this would have been roughly the end of 2017. I was approached by a colleague of mine who was launching a new organization. And she came to me and said, I just need some help managing uh, the back office of what I'm building and scaling. I'd love five to 10 hours of your time per week. 
any time, do it any time. Like, I don't need you between nine to five. And I thought, this is great. I can do it evenings and weekends. It's a nice little side hustle. For me, it was a way to make travel money because I love to travel. And I thought, I can do this on the side. It can fund my travel habit. And several months into our working relationship, so into early 2018, uh, she came back to me and said, I'd love to buy more of your time. And I said, I don't have any more time to give. I had a full-time job. I was doing this on the side and I was traveling quite a bit with the job I had at the time. And she kept coming back saying, you know, I want more, I want more. And ultimately one day she said, and this was the summer of 2018, she said, I want about upwards of 20 to 25 hours of your time per week. Let's map out a statement of work. And Angela, in that moment, that was what crystallized. I said, wait a second. I know what my hourly rate is. She's talking 20 hours per week. I did some quick math and I thought, that gives me an opportunity to potentially do this full time. Granted, I also didn't know what I would be doing or like how I would package and mold and brand what I was doing. But a a couple of other things had happened. Uh, A few months before that, I had turned 40 and my mindset just started shifting around any and everything I was doing. Um, Some might call it a midlife crisis. I don't know. (laughs) Potato, potato. Um, But then uh, a couple of friends of mine, um, both based here in Durham, one, both longtime friends, one had been a neighbor of mine. She, freelance advocate, um, had um, been an independent for well over 10 years. Um, Margaret McNabb was always encouraging me, nudging me. She's like, you know, you can be uber successful, you know, if you position yourself just right. And I kept thinking that sounds great. It sounds fun, but I have no idea how I'm going to position myself. And then um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Amos Cooper, who had started Bull City Butler just a few months before. And so I was surrounded with my own bubble or my own little ecosystem of folks who were taking this entrepreneurial leap or had taken it. And I sat back and I thought, I have this opportunity that's glaring me in the face. If I don't do this now, I may never do it. And so behind the scenes, I started setting up a business. So at least on paper, I looked like I knew what I was doing the whole time thinking, we're eventually going to figure this out. And I... As I like to say, I went to bed July 31st, 2018 um, on someone else's payroll, and I woke up August 1st on my payroll. That was the first day and moment that I was my own boss. And I still, to to this day, I consider it one of the most significant decisions I've ever made. And August 1st is this day that I tend to celebrate because it was the beginning of this really incredible new chapter and journey. And when I first started out, I positioned myself as a fractional director of operations. Um, And over time, I decided or knew that I needed to develop or wanted to develop more of a niche. And at that time, fast forward to some point in 2020, I looked at my client base and I thought, What's the, what are the common denominators um, if I'm wanting to niche down even more? And lo and behold, the one thing I was doing consistently across the board for my clients was some level of accounting. And that's when all of the alarms went off and I thought, um, you do have an accounting degree. 
you have done this before. Yeah. You, you do know what you're doing. And from that point forward, I started working on changing, not only changing the relationship I had with the, my current client base, but it also gave me an opportunity with my business development to start thinking, okay, I'm going in this direction focused on accounting and bookkeeping. This is the market or the types of clients and organizations that I want to work with. And that opened the door for me to have much different conversations with folks about the work that I do because it was very clear, it was focused, and people understood the words that were coming out of my mouth when I, accounting is just one of those things in bookkeeping, it's a necessary evil for, or it's perceived as a necessary evil for a lot of organizations and rightly so. And some people can get bogged down with it and I provide an opportunity to for them to offload that in a way where they can focus their time and energies on what matter or what's most important to them in um, growing, building, sustaining, and maintaining their um, businesses or organizations. Yeah, yeah. So you touched on so many different things that we're probably going to dive a little bit deeper into <laughs> here. But one is just having that aha moment. Like, man, like, you know, I did the grind. I pursued things that I wanted to do. And now it's time for me to redefine what freedom looks like for me, whether that's freedom to travel, freedom to have autonomy over the work that I do, freedom to work with people who are excited about working with me. Um, and so what was it like when you woke up August 1st and you're like, okay, like I'm, I'm taking this leap. I look good on paper. Now it's time to make it look good in real life. What has that been like? How has your travel budget been since then? Well, travel budget aside for a moment, the aha moment, I've had several of them. The first aha moment was I was maybe a month or so um, on my own. And I remember waking up one morning and having this feeling or sensation of, this is what I had always been searching for. Professionally, I had worked in for Fortune 500 companies, small nonprofits, uh, state government. So I had kind of run the gamut of different types and sizes of organizations and working in different types of functions. And I never quite felt like I was landing on what I really wanted to do and what I was, what my calling was. And what I realized was is that what I had always been in search of and what I had always wanted was the freedom, the flexibility, and the autonomy. And over time, that continues to manifest in some really interesting ways because the, what I've recognized more recently is I'm in love with how I work, not what I do. And for me, the excitement comes from waking up in the morning and I get to shape and mold where I work, the hours I work, if I want to go to the gym first thing in the morning or if I want to go to the gym at 1030 just randomly. Like those little things matter to me. Um, if I decide, you know what, next weekend, um, I think I want to go brother, visit my brother and his family. I could drive to Charlotte, get an Airbnb, hang out for a few days, and continue to work from there. And that kind of freedom and flexibility is what's so important to me. And that's what I find to be the most nurturing. It's not the day-to-day -day function of what I do. It's how I'm able to shape, mold, and grow um, 
what I do, how I do, where I do it, with whom I do it. To your point about um, over time, I've gained even more clarity around who are the types of folks and organizations that I want to work with. And having that level of creative control, that, that's, what, that's what keeps me excited because I can, there's, a, there's this ability that I can create the type of work that I do. And that is what keeps me excited and motivated. Yeah. Yeah. So travel budget is a plus now. Yes. <laughs> He's like very much. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I think, I don't know, at least for me, like I identify with all of what you're saying. Like I'm full time now. I haven't been as full time for as long, but you know, a lot of that, like, yeah, if I want to go for a walk in the morning, if I want to go for an early afternoon bike ride, like I have that flexibility now. And it's nobody that's saying like, well, you have to be sitting at a desk of some kind from nine to five, you know what I mean? Or you have to be in this location for a certain amount of time. You know, you have that autonomy, you have clients that you love. And it's not to say that work doesn't get hard or that you don't get tired or that things don't get stressful, but you have autonomy on how that looks for you, right? And that's so important. I think that's alluring to most people, to a lot of people who want to get out of the quote unquote rat race. Mm -hmm. That is just working for other people or not even working for other people, but just not having as much flexibility in what their work life looks like. Um, so going past this now, you've been in the game for a little bit. You've been on your own payroll for a little bit now, as you say. What are some things that you feel like you've learned since being on your own payroll, money aside, um, and just being your own boss and niching down and constantly evaluating where you are in your business? Um, in some ways, this aligns with um, that question I used to get, or I think people often get when when you're doing the job interview circuit, and it's like, where do you see yourself in five years? That those kinds of questions, I used to hate those questions, um, but now I love those questions because what I recognize is is that where I am now and where I want to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now there's this sense of I have the ability to be very intentional and deliberate about how I navigate the next year, three years, five years. Um, and, and that is something that I didn't always, I didn't feel like I had that when I was in the traditional workforce. Um, and there, and for me, that's when it can be really empowering to know that if, or I'll go back to a, an example I shared earlier. When I made the pivot from um, fractional operations to um, accounting and bookkeeping, like those sorts of pivots that I make and that I can continue to make, I don't have to ask anyone to do that. I can look at the market and where I see where I see demand and opportunity, and I can forge down that path. And I, if I forge down that path and it's not working out, then I can make those pivots. And it's for me, it's being able to make those pivots, even the tiniest little course corrections, like all of that rests on my shoulders. 
And so all of the responsibility is mine, but also just the entire process of creatively brainstorming and thinking through it, you know, I, I get to usher that. So it's not me walking into a manager's office and saying, you know, I want that job or I want to work myself into that job over the next three years. What do I need to do? I get to remove that management piece and I get to decide what do I want my business to look and feel like a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. And that sense of control and latitude rests with me and it's all in my hands. And I, I love that. I love that feeling. But at the same time, it's not all sunshine and roses and kittens and rainbows and we would love for that to be the case, right? <laughs> we would love for that to be like, oh, I jumped and it was great. And, you know, yeah, trip up my income in three months. Absolutely. Everything was so shiny and roses. But that is definitely not the case. No. no, but I think it's interesting that you say that because right now, I would say, especially on Twitter, probably on LinkedIn as well, it's very popular, especially when people, you know, start a side hustle or go out on their own or... Um, or in certain positions within organizations where they're entrepreneurs and do have a certain amount of latitude over maybe how much they make or the direction mm -hmm. of their career to build in public, right? And share their wins and share their successes and share their thoughts and the little micro adjustments along the way where they're honing in and tailoring, you know, their services and their business and niching down and just really finding clarity along mm -hmm. the way as they progress and they work and they, you know, reflect on what's working, what's not working, what do they want more of, what do they want things to feel like. Um, but a lot of that doesn't involve talking about the bad things. It doesn't talk about, you know, well, I tried this thing or I tried to build something and it didn't work out. Or, you know, it took me three or four businesses to land on what I have now, the success that I found with this new venture or this new path or this new service. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about Heritage Swag and how that kind of plays into your overall entrepreneurial journey? Yes. So I started a second business or let me back up for a second. One of the promises I made to myself when I first took the leap I knew that what I wanted to do was have a professional service offering that provided a foundational um, base of revenue that, as I like to say, would keep the lights on, pay the bills, and you know keep me up and running with the intent that creatively I would have room to um, create other businesses and other, and other revenue streams. I didn't want to be a one-trick pony. I wanted to keep things diversified, specifically as a solopreneur, one-person business. And I had been playing around with a bunch of different ideas. This was probably 20, yeah, this was 2019. I had been playing around with a bunch of ideas. I had um, flip chart paper posted in my home office where if like if an idea popped in my head, I would just jot it down. Um, and I was standing in front of this board one day and I was just thinking, why don't I focus on what I know or what I'm really familiar with? Because I had this list of things and I'm looking at the list thinking there's a lot of opportunity there, but I don't know anything about any of the stuff that I've written down. There's a, there would be a huge learning curve for me. And I said, what do I know? What's familiar? Like the back of my hand. And I just started thinking and it hit me that that summer um 
on my mother's side of the family, uh, we have a really big extended family reunion every two years. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, I'm from two big, close families. So the idea of doing something family related felt right. And then I thought, no, there's got to be something in the family reunion space. I kept thinking, I was like, well, what is in that space that I can point to and start really small? Because I believe in the notion of starting, thinking big and starting small. And I thought, well, what's in this entire landscape of the family reunion that I can like just peel off? And I thought, oh, well, that's simple. It's the family reunion t-shirt because they're all hideous and no one's doing, in my estimation, no one was doing or is doing beautifully branded apparel and family reunion merchandise specifically. Let's look at the shirt specifically. No one's doing a, a family reunion shirt that you would get or receive at the reunion and want to wear after the reunion. This is Every family reunion shirt I've ever had either got stuffed in the back of the drawer or I just left it at my mom's. <laughs> it's even um, worse. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not going to actually wear that. And that's when the idea stuck. I was like, but what if these shirts were designed in a way or had an aesthetic that you see them and you think, oh, that's a, that, I want to rock that shirt whether I'm going out to meet some friends for a drink or I'm just out running errands. Like you, you see it and you think, I want to wear, like that's my favorite shirt. I want to wear the shirt. So long story short, I go down this path. I develop a concept. Um, I start working with a designer and um, I launch it and the sales are very modest and I work on a plan and an idea to really grow and scale the business. And I reached a point uh, probably around March-ish, March or April of last year, when I realized that in order to really reach the people that I needed to reach, I was going to have to invest a lot in advertising and marketing. And when I had considered the amount that I had already invested to get to that point, I had to make a, I had to go through a lot of decision making, uh, this complicated, perhaps not as complicated as I thought, but this decision tree in my head about, are we going to go or no go? Yeah. And ultimately I decided not to continue the business because one, because I was managing and operating a successful professional service business, I quickly realized that retail and professional services are, operate as different beasts. Professional services, a space I'm very comfortable in, it's all about me figuring out what your pains or challenges are, and I have a solution to make your life easier. I'm very comfortable in that space, just the way in which I'm able to talk to people and clients or prospective clients about it. There's an ease and a comfort with it. What I came to realize is that with retail, it's about appealing to people's emotions because I had a lot of people say, oh, we love the idea. We love the concept. And I'm thinking, um, 
you love it, but you didn't buy anything. And it's that working in that space of appealing to people's emotions, I just knew that that was not my knack. And so in that moment in time, I had to make a decision. It was largely a financial decision. Am I willing to invest this next round of funds to take this to the next level? Or do I want to take my time, my energy, my money and focus it elsewhere? And in that moment, I decided, spring of last year, I decided to shut the business down. And was it a success? No. Did I have a lot of fun doing it? Yes. Um, Did I learn a lot that I'm using and exploring some new ideas this year? Absolutely. So for me, it was almost like a, that entire experience was almost like a mini MBA in a way. Um, Because as a one person business, I'm looking at the marketing, the sales, the operations, all of those elements and how all of that fits together. And I learned a lot that I'm, interestingly, I learned a lot that I put to work with current clients Um, and then just learned a lot that I can put to work in some new ventures that I'm exploring uh, this year. So I'm a big fan of creating your own laboratory if you can, um, because not every idea is going to soar. And if it doesn't, you gotta, you gotta walk away with something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So Jesus Christ. Okay. So honey and hustle is a podcast, but it feels like its own separate business in that I had to build out infrastructure in order to scale it to be able to host more people in a consistent way. So Angie Studio is kind of like my foundation service-based business like you were talking about, and I'm definitely invested in the podcast. Um, haven't made a lot of money on that investment. We're not going to go there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what you're talking about is so true. Like You hear about people like Elon Musk and Tesla, but you know, a lot of people don't know that he was one of the co-founders of PayPal. So PayPal allowed him mm. to be able to take a buyout, invest in Tesla with his own money because he didn't want to risk anybody else's money on something that may not work. Of course, Tesla did work and it works very well. But you also have to be ready for, you know, things not to work out at first. You have to be ready for to invest money that you may not see an immediate return on. You have to be, be prepared to invest time so he can't spend the same amount of time that he did with PayPal as he did when he was building Tesla because it takes time to learn and reiterate and grow and apply what you've learned and so I think there is something sexy about I don't know I think I can say sexy on my show (laughs) I have no problem with it about diversifying income and creating even greater depth of stability to where if you do want to take a longer period of time off or you do want to have more money to pay down debt or whatever it is that you want to have in terms of financial stability that people often disassociate with entrepreneurship. Diversifying income sounds like, oh, this simple, beautiful idea, but it's not always as simple as affiliate marketing or a brand partnership or something, especially when you're a service-based business primarily. It can look like starting another venture, investing time, investing money, and not succeeding at that or not seeing a return on that immediately in the way that you want. Um, And you said something interesting about it being like a mini MBA experience. So I think, I don't want to say it's a trend, but I could see it as a trend where there's a lot of independent course creators popping up. Mm -hmm. There's um, uh, Morning Brew has created the Alt MBA, which is like their, you know, online, like, hey, learn how to be an entrepreneur, 
instead of going back to get a master's degree, come do this. Um, that sort of thing, like where you can take these really in-depth courses, cohort-based courses, or self-paced courses to learn more. But in actuality, and I'm not saying don't do it, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that there's something to be said about just learning and just do, learning by doing. Right. And just getting out there and seeing like, okay, you make it sound like I can just pop up and start this business tomorrow, but can I do that? Do I have the money to do that? Do I have the other financial stability that's paying the lights and, or not paying the lights, but paying the light bill and keeping me afloat while I'm spending money building this? Like, I don't know. For people who are watching this or listening to this on whatever audio platform they're choosing, what are some things you would say about just taking the leap? Because you took a leap. You didn't know how it was going to work out for you. You just had friends who had already taken the leap and you had examples, but you didn't really know until you got out there. So what would you say for people who are considering, like, how do I want to grow about learning and growing and building a side hustle that turns into something profitable? Oh, part of it... There's probably a long list if I sat down and started jotting some things down. Part of it is I I think it's important, depending upon your station, particular station in life, is being very realistic about if you are going to take the leap, understanding what is my cost of living now? What's the lifestyle to which I'm currently accustomed? Because initially that leap and depending upon your business and the cash flows of that business, you could take that leap and you may not be able to pay yourself on a, especially if you're coming from, let's say a traditional workforce W2 kind of situation where you get paid twice a month or you're getting paid once a month. When you take that leap, you aren't necessarily in a position where you're going initially you won't be able to pay yourself twice a week or once a month so there's a i think there's a real opportunity to take a step back and say how do i live now um how much money do i have in the bank that will help me stay afloat and I might need to make some cuts around the edges to support me in this journey as I'm getting started. You have to, you have to be real with yourself about um, what that transition is like. Um, I, some self-assessment and self-awareness, I think, is, are, are critically important. Um, you have to ask yourself, how willing are you to take on um, things like, I call them administrative burdens. <laughs> they are burdens. <laughs> All of a sudden, you have to figure out, where am I going to get health insurance? Um where am I going to establish a business banking relationship? So you're creating a business, but there are all of these elements behind the scenes or what some people refer to as back office elements that need to be in place in order for you to successfully continue to do what you do. So it's understanding understanding your own comfort level with some of those administrative burdens because they can feel very heavy at particular points along the journey, especially when you're first starting. Because I like to say I had to get used to, and I enjoy living and operating in this space, but it can, it can get stressful. You know, if you're coming from an organization where, you know, 
folks are in HR and they do open enrollment and, you know, I would go into a conference room once a year and sit through a presentation about, you know, here are all of your employee benefit options, you know, choose what you want. And I would click a few buttons and be done. And I wouldn't even have to think about what enrolling in any of that stuff is like. Well, the moment I went solo, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a second, health insurance? Do I need professional liability insurance? Do I need commercial insurance? Um, do I need um, disability coverage? What happens if I get sick and get sick or get injured and I'm out of commission for say, you know, a month? Um, you know, having to think through all of those things where previously I just didn't have to think of, put any thought or effort into any of those. And those things are now the backbone of my business. And so I have to push those to the forefront of my mind and they no longer just sit in the back. Um, and so those are some of the things that I tend to think about, you know, are you prepared to another, um, popular one amongst friends and colleagues of mine is time management. Like no one, there's no coworker, you know, coming up and saying, you know, where's this deliverable, you know, um, are you going to work on that today or tomorrow? You know, those little things where understanding the places where you need to be self-motivated and you're no longer surrounded by teams of people that um, perhaps might be keeping you accountable for deliverables, for example. So it's, it's a, it I think in order to do it and do it well, it requires a lot of self-awareness and almost a bit of a self-reckoning around how how am I going how am I going to navigate managing myself when it's a it's a party of one. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that self-management is key. It's like, did I sign up for insurance yet? What's the deadline? How much time do I have? How long can I put it off? I can't put it off. Dang. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like that was literally me this last open enrollment season, but because there's no one in HR sending you an email reminder, no, um, you have to. Those are the things you have to keep on the forefront of your mind. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, well, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of information. Um, how can people find you if they're looking for you online? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you can look for um, Jason Nelson. There, are, it's a relatively common name, so. You know, just look for Apollos Solutions or Filter Durham, North Carolina. That's where I'm based out of. That's primarily the only social media platform I'm on. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely.